Freedom in Christ. Let's, before we get into Mark 4 this morning, I just wanted, I got thinking about that as we were talking about that and singing about freedom. And I thought I'd just give you some time to think about that, but what, what does freedom in Christ mean to you? What does freedom in Christ mean to you? As I let you think about that just for a little bit, and I'd like to see, hear some of your feedback on that. I know we're kind of small today, but we would be able to hear everybody good. But just what is freedom in Christ? We, we really like our freedom in this world, and, and freedom, in, of course, freedom in the United States, I mean. We, we enjoy that freedom. People have fought and given their life for that freedom, and may we never forget that. Um, and, and we're so thankful for those men and women that have stood to, through all the different wars and things and, and fought for our freedom to be able to just come in a public place today and, and share the good news of Jesus Christ. But when we think about freedom in Christ, it kind of takes it to a, a whole other level. It takes us to a place that, that's really hard for us to understand because of what he's done for us. It seems like for a lot of people, and we, we're preaching Romans, we're going to get back to that next week, but it seems for a lot of people that there, there's not freedom in Christ. A lot of people that don't accept Christ, they say, well, I, it just feels like you've got to keep all these rules and Oh, you're kind of those people that don't get to have any fun. You've heard some of those crazy things before, and, and everything's so hard, and you've got, to, you know, you've got to go by the Bible, and you can't just... But, but they don't understand that the true freedom is definitely in Jesus Christ. We have freedom from death. We have freedom uh, in everlasting life. We have freedom over sin, as Brother Danny said earlier. You know, sometimes we just we kind of knuckle under pretty easy, I think, when we could ask the Holy Spirit and the power of God to just help us overcome temptation he said there there is no temptation that's going to come your way that i haven't given you the power to overcome that's that's a big verse that's a big big thing to think about of course that's paraphrasing but think about that there's nothing that we face that god hasn't given us the power to overcome that and that that's real freedom guys that's real freedom you know we i love that song amazing grace my chains are gone and we think about being in chains being shackled being in prison as not being free but amazing grace, my chains are gone. I, I'm no longer bound by things that tend to bound us as human beings. A lot of people say, well, when you close your eyes in death, it's all over. They just put you in the ground and it's, it's over. But in Christ, you know that the minute you close your eyes, you're going to open your eyes with Christ. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And man, that's, that's a great thing to think about in the freedom that we have. So I want to take just a few minutes before I get into our parable this morning. And let you talk about what freedom in Christ means to you. If you'd like to just say a, a sentence or two or get up and say, say a whole bunch, just whatever God might lead you to say. But what, is, what does freedom in Christ mean to you this morning? Anybody want to, who wants to go first? What's freedom in Christ means? Yes. Relief, doesn't it? It gives us relief. It lets the pressure off. And we all know that we live in a high pressure world, don't we? It, there's pressure, pressure, pressure. But when we come, I hope when you come in here on Sunday morning, when you take out that Bible in the morning when you do your devotions or in the evening whenever, you know, at lunch, whenever you choose to do that, when you, when you bow in prayer, it, it kind of lets the, the pressure off, the relief comes from Christ, and you feel that, that comfort, that peace that he gives. So relief is a great word. What else does it mean? Yes, Rick? Yes. That's right. That's right. He said, the only time I have to worry what man can do to me, he says, when I choose to worry about that, because God has given us freedom. He said, don't worry about anything, but in all things, come to me in prayer and bring that to my feet, and I will help you carry your burden, and I will carry your burden for you. 
So there, there's, there's help there in there. There's help in Christ. What, what's some else? What else do you find? What does freedom in Christ mean? Anybody else? Say it again. Yeah, yeah. He, he charges our batteries back up. He refuels us. We come in here and we can feel that freedom that, that I can go back out there. Because sometimes, let's face it, we come in here on Sunday morning and we're beat up. All right, we're beat up. It's, something's been going on or maybe it's in the family. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's, uh, you know, what, something with our job. Maybe it's something in our relationship, our, our marriage, our children. And we come in here just beat up. And then we pause for a moment. We listen to the praise and music and, and we worship in song. We pray and we worship in giving and we hear the word and, and we hear God speak to us. And we can leave here going, you know what? I can make this. I can do this. And that's the freedom that Christ has given us to, to renew our spirit. I love the verse that says he makes his mercy new every day. Think about that. Every day you get up, he renews his mercy in you. And you can start that day. Maybe yesterday was a, was a bummer, man. <laughs> maybe, maybe it just was awful. But when you get up that morning, before you even hit the floor, he makes his mercy new every day. And man, isn't it great that his mercy never runs out? That he's always forgiving, always loving, always taking care of us. Who else? What does freedom in Christ mean to you? Yes, sir. <laughs> You know you love Jesus, right? That's right. That's right, buddy. Yes, my, yes, sir. Yeah, isn't that something? You talk about a turnaround. And I, I, we, we always quote that the wages of sin is death. But, but there's a but in there. And it, it's huge. It's huge to know but the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Man, that just makes you breathe deeper, doesn't it? It's kind of... Just take a big, deep breath and let it go because, yeah, I know, I know that, that I'm, I'm, I'm sinful. I know I have trouble in my life, but I know when Jesus died on that cross, he paid my price. We read that this morning. It said he took and nailed my sin to the cross and paid my debt. Man, think about that. So the wage of sin of death, yeah, we're all, we're all going to die. It's a point under man wants to die, but the gift of God, what God can do for you, is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Man, that just gives you a good deep breath of, of freedom there. Someone else, what does independence in Christ, freedom in Christ mean to you? Anybody else? It's good, isn't it? It's good to know that Christ loves us and gives us that freedom. Not only do we talk about freedom in our country this weekend, but we can always, always, it don't have to be July, it can be November the 4th. It can be February the 4th. It can be any day of the year we can talk about the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And that's used this morning. That comes from, from Christ and Christ alone. Well, let's turn to Mark 4 this morning. Look at an old parable. Many of you know this parable. Very familiar with this parable. But as I finished last week and, and uh, you know, we, we know what we're up against. We know what court has, has ruled and all those things. It breaks our heart. But we realized, I think, when we left here last week, that God is still in control, that, that God is still saving us, that he's taking care of us, that, that nothing surprises him, that our mission doesn't change. Our mission is to love people and share Jesus, just as simple as it gets. I've got that on the board this week. The mission doesn't change. Stay on track, love people, and share Jesus. But when we think about what's to come, and, and guys, there's all kind of thoughts about what's, what's this going to lead to now. Because listen, every civilization through all time, 
whether it be the Greeks or the Romans, people that were powerful, people that ruled the world. I've always read, I've always said, I've heard the, the president of the seminary say right over there in our old fellowship hall one night, he came up and taught a class for us, and he said the last straw before a civilization falls is to accept homosexuality. That is the last straw before that, that, that empire, that civilization, will begin to slip and begin to fall. And so if, if history repeats itself, and we see that it does time and time again, I wonder what that means for America. And there's many people asking that question. Is things just going to keep on going on now? I've seen people want to say, well, uh, hey, we accepted gay marriage, and, and you know the, the world hadn't caved in. There's no... No, no hailstones fell on us, and everybody's going about their business. See, we told you. We told you it wasn't going to be no big. God hadn't judged us. You know why God hadn't judged? Because of his great grace. We talked about that just a few weeks ago. That, yeah, don't judge me. Yeah, you're right, but God is going to judge you. And he's going to judge you one of two ways. We talked about it for a couple weeks there. He's going to judge you through the blood of Jesus Christ, which is the way you want to be judged. Or he's going to judge you on your works. And guys, there is nothing in the word of God that says our works can ever be good enough to get us into heaven. We have to be judged by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, we're going to be judged. Yeah, this country is going to be judged. Because we went directly against, on other things too, we went against what God's word says. We went against the truth. So, our question is, is where do we stand? Where are you planted? Are you ready if persecution comes? Are you ready if, like a few ladies this week that I read about, said, you know what? I cannot, in love of my Savior and in love of the Word, I cannot hand out marriage certificates to same-sex couples because I believe it goes directly against the Word of God, and I resign my job. Are you ready for that? As I said last week, am I ready if they come through the doors and say, we hear you've been preaching against homosexuality and so you're going to have to go to jail? Am I, am I ready for that? Maybe it's your job. If you speak out against it and say, and this may be all you say, I believe that God's word says it ought to be one man and one woman. You, that may be all you say. But that may cause your firing. That may cause your termination at your job. Are you ready for that? You see, the parable of the sower talks about where we're really planted, where we're really sowed. Are we really saved? Are we really ready if persecution comes? I don't know what's going to happen in the next 10, 15, 20 years. I have no idea. I do not know the future. I know the one that holds the future. His name is Jesus. But guys, listen, it, it could be that it could be something where we have an economic collapse in this country. We've been hearing that for the last five years, that our Wall Street and our, our bank accounts and, and everything, the, the, uh, the, the national debt, all those things are just like a house of cards that could fall any minute. We're seeing some of that in Greece right now. They were told this week, the people that were retired, they could go and get some money out of their bank and they were going to close the banks back down. And I think it was something like 100 bucks for the month. They were going to let the people that were retired go in and get their money out of the bank and bring it home. That's all they could get. They were going to keep the rest. 
Guys, we all live on debit cards, ATM cards. I hardly, I bet I don't have $2 in my pocket right now because I just, I just swipe my card. What it comes to the point if they turn that off and you can't swipe your card? What if the, the economic collapse comes? What if it gets too hard to live for Jesus? Are you really planted in him? Let's read a little bit. Mark 4, verse 1. Remember, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, and Jesus taught in parables quite often. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and set it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He kind of used the water as a, a sound system so he could hear. You ever been on the water where you can hear voices way across the way? He was sitting on the water, and his voice would project to all the people. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Man, this already hit home around here where we live, all right? I just come out of the mountains of Branson and mountains and rocks and hills, and I was definitely, Danny, on higher ground this weekend, all right? I was up there. But when I dropped off on that flatland at Portia and started seeing all that farmland, we knew we were home. We understand about farming. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And then verse 10 says, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables he told them. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, that's some very strange words from our Lord. Read that one more time with me. So that, verse 12, they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, you've got to remember the audience here. We had a lot of, of Jewish people. Some of those Pharisees, you know, if you read right back behind three, they were coming to him and trying to trap him with things. And they, This one little group kind of followed him around everywhere they went, and they spent all their time trying to trap Jesus and trying to find him guilty about something. And he just had this incredible God wisdom that only Jesus has. And he knew exactly what was in their heart. He knew what they were talking about. He knew how they were trying to trap him. And he always knew just what to say. And many times he would ask, he would answer their question with a question. And so it always seemed to, to pop it back in their lap. And, and they had to come up with the answer, and, and they would just kind of walk away grumbling to themselves. And he, he upset them. I mean, they didn't like Jesus much. And there's a spot in there where they just said, you know what, he's got to die. And the Bible says from that point on, they longed and they looked and how they might bring him to death. That, that's getting you pretty riled up when all you can think about is, I've got to kill this guy. And there was a group that was like that. 
There were others in the group that wanted to hear, but when it got too hard, they walked away. Remember when he fed the 5,000? And man, their bellies were full, and they were happy, and, and Jesus left. And man, they just went along with him and said, man, I'm going after another buffet. That was good. I'm going to wait until he feeds us again. And Jesus, knowing their hearts, he said, unless you're willing to eat my flesh, unless you're ready to drink my blood. Of course, they, they, they're thinking, again, he's kind of talking in a parable. Not really a parable, but kind of a way that if you're going to understand it, the Holy Spirit's going to help you understand that. You're not going to get it on your own. And the Bible says, one of the saddest verses in the Bible says, and many that followed him followed him no more. It got too hard. And the parable of the sower is a lot like that. And Jesus is talking about, look, people are ever seeing, but they're not perceiving. Our world is like that. They're looking for the edge. They're looking for the angle. They're looking for their way. But they never really see with God's eyes until they give their life to the Holy Spirit. And I mean, the Holy Spirit comes in, they give their life to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit comes in and changes them. You know what I'm talking about. The Bible says that you can't even understand this right here fully until you get saved and know the Holy Spirit is showing you and opening up the Word so you can understand it. But many of the world's trying to get a grip on this Jesus thing. They're trying to, to kind of understand what's going on with this Jesus thing. They're trying to figure out church. But all they seem to look at is us. Now, grant you, they should be able to look at us and see Jesus, all right? That's what Jesus wants. He wants us to be holy as he's holy. He wants us to be, as we used to say in the old days, we want to be the Bible that some people may never read the true Bible, but if they see us, they ought to be able to see Jesus. But sadly, we know that a lot of times when they look at us, they don't see the real Jesus. They see us. They see our sin. And they start comparing themselves to us. And guys, let me tell you, don't ever compare yourself to me or anybody in this congregation. Because, listen, we're not the standard, okay? By no means are we the standard. Who is the standard? Jesus Christ. Every time. Every time. Be holy as I'm holy. What is he saying? Here's your standard. Don't just settle because you're as good as this guy down the street or that lady across the yard or this guy that you go to church with or this lady that you go to church. Don't just settle for that. Because you'll always be seeing, but you'll never be perceiving. Jesus said, I speak this way because if those really that want to know me, they will seek me and they will understand who I am. But the ones that are wanting to do away with me, the ones that are wanting to, to do away with this, the way of Jesus Christ, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said, those that are wanting to do away with that, they will never see it for what it is. And guys, sadly, we have a lot of people in the world today that, that they'll never see it. They'll never see it. Remember what it says, and it's kind of sad to think about, narrow is the way, and few be that find it. Does that not scare you a little bit? Narrow is the way. Narrow and few. I've seen a little, little thing this week that says, there's a song that says there's a highway to hell, and there's a song that says there's a stairway to heaven. Does that kind of tell you how many people's going each way? Hmm. Narrow is the way. And few, a little bit, a minority is going to find it. 
there were bunches of people listening to Jesus that day. There were bunches of people that come to see what he could do. And a lot of times when he had to put out in a boat is because the press of the crowd was so great. Touch me, Jesus. Heal me, Jesus. Heal my daughter. Take care of me. Help, help me have more money. Bless my home. Let me have more stuff. There wasn't many people saying, will you save me? There wasn't many people saying, I want to deny myself. I want to take up a cross, and I want to follow you. You know what? We're 2,000 years later, and the press of the crowd is still saying the same things. Give me some money, Jesus. Help Mama, she's sick. Take care of me, Jesus. But I really don't want to commit to you. Just take care of me. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. Ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. If they would hear and if they would listen, if they would, if they would get what I'm saying through the Holy Spirit, they, they would be forgiven. They would have freedom in Christ. But it's, it's just too complicated. I got to give something up. You know what you got to give up to follow Christ? Yourself. A living sacrifice. Laying yourself on the altar and say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. Danny had a great illustration this morning. Danny, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it, all right? That's just great. Here, here's, here's Christ. Here's Christ and here's me. Now, people want to, they want to be around Christ. They want to lean on Christ. They want to look at Christ. They want to say what a, what a great person Christ is. But you know what? Until I set my tail down in this chair, I don't really trust this chair. Christ is saying, you've got to have faith in me. You've got to trust me. You've got to let me carry you to where we're going. See, a lot of us want to get saved and sign the certificate and walk away and say, okay, God, I'll be back when I need you. But here's when we are truly saved. is when we sit down in Christ. We sit down in Christ. And now I'm totally dependent on Christ. I can't go anywhere unless Christ goes. It's kind of like him taking us up in our arms. You remember the old, the old uh, poem where there was one set of footprints and two set of footprints and he said, on those times when there was one, I was carrying you. And that, that's what Christ wants to do. He wants to carry you. Because that way, wherever he goes, guess what? You go. It's not God's, stay right here, I'll be right back. I'm going to go live however I want to, but I'll be back when I need you. He said, no, no, I want you to fully rely. I want you to fully trust me, and I want you to let me carry you where you go. And you know what? When we let Christ carry us where we go, we will always go to the right spot. We will always go to the right place. Now, what did this, what did this story mean? Christ explains it to him. Let's read. Verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Those poor disciples, bless their heart, had been like me and you following Christ around. You know it. He was just trying to tell them things, and they would try to get it, but they were trying. Remember, they were seeing with their own eyes. They weren't seeing with the spiritual eyes. They weren't seeing with God's eyes. 
And, and guys, it's way different, amen? It's way different looking at the world through God's eyes than looking at the world through our eyes. Because through our eyes, what do we see when we look at the world? Me. Take care of me. When we look at the world through God's eyes, we're saying others, others, others. Jesus was always about others. The farmer sows the word, all right? Here's the story. You know, we talk about, y'all know about seed and sowing seed. What do you want from that seed? You want a harvest. Guys, when when the harvest don't come, it's bad news. You know what Christ wants from his people? He wants them to harvest. He wants a harvest. He wants us to plant seeds. When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? You ever led someone to Christ? Have you ever told anyone about Jesus? Isn't that something? What a farmer wants is a harvest. He wants seeds to produce more seeds. What Christ wants is for his people to produce more people that believe in him. Now, we can't do the producing, but we can tell the telling. And Jesus does the rest. See, we got it easy. Farmers, wouldn't you love it if all you had to do is just plant the seed and go home and sit down until harvest time? Wouldn't you love that? The Lord tells us to plant seeds, doesn't he? He says, plant seeds. And he says, you plant, the Bible says in the New Testament, some water, some, some take care of the weeds, but who gives the harvest? God does. God gives the harvest. It's in his hand. All we got to do is plant the seed. So, here's our story. The farmer is is the word. He's planting the seeds, which is the word, okay? The word of God. Telling people about Jesus. Telling people about Jesus. Some people, verse 15, are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Now, you've seen it maybe in your life, in the early days before you give your heart to Jesus, or you've seen it maybe in some of your family, and they come and they sit in church, and they get up during invitation time, and they're gripping onto that pew, and they're, they're just, they're thinking about it, they're wondering about it, they wonder if that's for me, all these things, but the minute they hit that door, the devil comes and bombards them with life and jobs and family, and they don't even think about it another time until they come back in this place or something said on TV or something said from somebody in their family. So see, it's more than just planting seeds on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. We've got to be planting seeds 24-7 in some way or the other. But some people hear the word, and the devil comes along and just knocks them off course and gets them right back into their, their busyness and their life, and it's not for me, and, and it, 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 it's, it's just nothing ever sprouts, nothing ever grows. So that's the first kind of person. He's lost. Verse 16, others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because the word, they quickly fall away. You ever seen weeds grow on a rock? There's a little bit of dirt there, you know. But you have noticed that plant doesn't last very long because when the sun comes beating down on it, there's not deep roots there. 
okay? A lot of people love coming to church. They get all excited about church. Maybe they've went since they were little. But when persecution comes or heartaches come or tough times come, they just, God, where are you at? I can't handle this. And they walk away. That's kind of what I was talking about at the very beginning. What if there comes a day when we can't meet in this place anymore? What if we have to start hiding out in our houses and worshiping again like they did in Acts? Like they do in China? What if you've got to dig yourself a hole in the ground and go down there and worship Jesus so that you can read your Bible by candlelight or flashlight? And knowing if I get caught, I'm going to prison or I may even die. See, guys, here's what worries me. I don't think we have ever been persecuted in America. Have you ever been persecuted because of what you believe? Not really. We have it great. We can come to church or not come to church. We can come and get involved. We can not get involved. We can give and not give. We can share the good news or not share the good news. We can be faithful or not be faithful. What kind of commitment is that? Mike and Rick, when y'all coached, could you have made a team if they just showed up and practiced when they want? Could you have made a team if they didn't put in the hard work? It would have been difficult. It would have been almost impossible. Persecution may come. I don't know. The rapture may come and take us out of here before that. I believe, I believe that rapture is going to happen before the seven years of tribulation. I believe the Bible teaches that. But I don't know what we're going to face before then. I don't know how far off it is before the, the, the rapture. I don't know how long it's going to be before God takes his children home. But you know what? He said here in this verse, let me read it for you one more time. Look there in verse 17. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, because of God, they quickly fall away. Well, Brother Todd, do you mean that they were saved and lost their salvation? Nope. Never had it. Never had it. They got all excited. They liked it when everything was great. They liked church camp. They liked the times we ate food. But when it comes time to stand up for the Lord, it's just too hard. And it says they walked away. They fell away. They didn't want to be a part of it no more. And you know, we've been studying that word apostate in Jude on Sunday nights. Apostate is one that, that came right up to it, right there, salvation. That notice they never jumped into it, they just come right up to it. And they looked at it and they thought it was great. They believed what was, you know, they believed that that's a good thing, and they believed Jesus came. They believe he died on a cross. But they never gave themselves to it. And they had all this knowledge of what Christ was about and salvation and everything. But but they're like this. I want to do it. No. And the Bible says when they walk away, 
and they begin to run down Jesus, begin to run down his church, begin to people, Luke, tell people to go away from Christ. I mean, totally turn against God. They were that close. They were this close. And they said no. And they turned. I don't know him. Don't want no part of him. But what about Peter, Brother Todd? He denied Christ. Yeah, but he repented. You remember? He cried. Remember when he heard the rooster that morning? He cried. Because he knew he was wrong. He came back to Christ. And he continued to live for Christ. We're going to be times in our, in our life where we're going to backslide and sin and, and probably deny. But we can come back and he will forgive us. Isn't that amazing? You talk about freedom in Christ. But I'm talking about those people that say, I want no more part of that. That's a bunch of bunk. I don't want any part of it. The Bible says don't even pray for them. Because they cannot come to know Jesus. You talk about scary ground. You talk about scary stuff. That is it. Persecution. Am I ready? Are you ready? Guys, I don't know. But if ever we need to know, it's time now. We need to know. We need to know if we're really his. We need to know. We can't guess. We can't hope so. I hope I'm good enough to get to heaven, Brother Todd. I hope I've done enough good things. I hope God likes me teaching Sunday school. I hope he likes me being a deacon. Guys, none of, all that's good stuff, but none of that's going to get you into heaven. It's being deep-rooted in Jesus Christ. Being there and deep-rooted in him. We'll show you in just a minute. Let's quickly go on. Verse 18. Still others like seeds sown among the thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and desire for other things come in and choke the world, making it unfruitful. Why do you think Joe spends all the time flying that high-dollar stuff across them farmers' fields? They know that them weeds are going to eat up their harvest. They know that the, that the weeds will eat up the production of that, that plant. And guys, it happens that way with people that they love church, they, they love the Lord, they maybe grew up in church. But again, I believe here, guys, they've never truly given their life and heart to Jesus. And then life got busy. And the kids grew up. And we're taking them here and there and going everywhere and going there and there. Then they get up in college and we're worried about that. We're trying to make enough money to, to go here and go there and buy this and buy that. And, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with things. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with going. But when it overtakes your love and faithfulness to God, there's a problem. There's a problem. And, and life gets so busy... You can see thorns and weeds just choking a plant out, and that's the way life gets. It, it gets so busy that it, it just chokes you off from Christ. Well, I, I need to go to church, and then you look up, it's been six weeks. I, I, need, I need to read my Bible. You look up, it's been two months. I need to get on my knees and pray. It's been six months. And life's just choking you out and keeping you away from what the Lord can truly do for you. And the Lord can truly give you freedom in Christ. Now, the last one this morning. This is where you want to be planted, okay? Verse 19, I mean 20. 
Others like seed sown in good soil. Boy, don't you like when you see good dirt? Not gumbo. I mean, <laughs> good dirt, all right? Like seed sown on good soil. Hear the word. They accept it. They, they step in. They, they go all in. I'm going into salvation. They step in. I'm, I want Christ. I want him in my life. I want him to carry me. I'm going to sit on him in him, and I'm going to rest in him, and I'm giving him my life. I trust him completely for my salvation. I mean, they're, they're in. They're, they're deep-rooted in Christ. Because, listen, once God has you, he's not going to let you go. It says, here's the word, accept it, and here's another part, and produce a crop. Now, not all people are going to produce the same amount of crops, but every one of us that believe in Christ, that are deep-rooted in Him, that are saved and born again, we should be fruitful for Christ. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Can you imagine, farmers, if you planted a plant or a seed and it brought back a hundredfold? Boy, it'd be a good year that year. But guys, this, this is where we need to be. This is where we need to be. We need to be deep-rooted in Christ. We need to be producing good fruit. The Bible says, by their fruit, you'll know them. Are you producing fruit? Are, are you kind? Are you long-suffering? Do you have self-control? Do you have the love of Christ? You're, you're going to produce fruit. You ever worked with somebody 15 years and they go, well, I didn't know you was a Christian? Yikes. People should know. They should know. Now, I'm not saying you should be obnoxious about it, but they should know who you believe in. They ought to know where you're deep-rooted in. They ought to know you're in Jesus Christ. Because, guys, when time gets, when persecution comes, you won't make it. When life gets so busy, you won't make it. When the busyness of life overtakes you, you won't make it. When the devil comes away and knocks you off track, you won't make it unless you're deep-rooted in Jesus Christ. That's what always happens when we get those bad winds early in the crop season and the crop's about that high and that wind will come along and shear it off because it has little bitty roots. And then later on when that crop is that high and that wind comes, and it, 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 yes, it moves back and forth, and yes, it takes a spin, but you know what? It stays because it's deep-rooted in good ground. Guys, I don't know what America is facing. I do know that in every time in the Bible, when a nation went away from God, God put judgment on that nation. And you know what we said last week? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If that happened back then, what makes us think that it couldn't happen again? If the financial market collapses, we could be living three or four families to a house, trying to make just enough money to eat today. A day's wages for a day's food. It talks about that in the Bible. Now, I think a lot of that is more toward tribulation time. But what makes us think that we are exempt from persecution for the Lord. When everyone through time has faced persecution 
through the Acts and the, the, new, the new church in Acts, how they were persecuted. And you know when the church has done best? You ready for this? You know when the church has really grown? When it's persecuted. Because it scatters us. Those people weren't coming together in a nice building like this and coming together and singing and getting up and leaving and going to nice homes. They were worshiping together in homes. And then the guy down the street, he'd have a worship service there. Another guy down the street would have a worship service in his home. But guys, they, they, then finally God just scattered them. He scattered them all throughout that region at that time. Because I know that because everywhere Paul went, he met these people back from home. Because persecution came and they scattered. Are you deep-rooted this morning? i got to quit, I know. But I want you to know, are you deep-rooted? Not does it make you feel warm and fuzzy. Not does it make you happy. And you go out the door and still live the same way. But are you deep-rooted? And when you go out that door, do you produce fruit? Some 30, some 60, some 100 times. We live in a day and an age that we must be producing fruit because it's going to get harder and tougher I don't know what shape that'll take I'm not standing up here claiming I know the future but I know the handwriting is on the wall and I know we better know that we know that we know who we're rooted in don't leave this door this morning if you don't know for sure that you're deep rooted in Christ because I believe every seed on this page that we just read, those were lost except the very last one. Even those that, that kind of looked at it, liked it, they still did never accept Jesus Christ's deep-rooted salvation in their life. Let's pray. Lord, we're facing times that are way different for us. And Lord, I, I know that the people before us have faced times just like this. And, Lord, they've probably been sermons preached just like this, what we've heard today. Lord, we know that history has a tendency to repeat itself. But, Lord, I know that in no other time in my life have I been asked to step forward like this. And the same for all these, these Christians today. And, Lord, I pray that I will get deeper and deeper and deeper rooted in you. Lord, I pray that my faith in you will never, never fail, never waver. Because, Lord, I know you're not going to fail. I know you're not going to waver. Lord, help, help us not to just observe from a distance. Help us to not be a spectator. But help us to be in, in you, trusting you in everything. Lord, I, I, just, I just ask you to have mercy on us, to be with us over the next years. Because, Lord, we, we don't know, but you do, and we trust you. And, Lord, we know that we're not exempt from persecution just because others have walked away from you. Lord, there's always collateral damage. And, Lord, we could be part of that. But Lord, help us. Help us to know you like we've never known you before. In your name we pray.